This is the newest episode of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. I'm Noah Friedman, and this is not a mini-sode because Elijah Zalonki is here. Say hi, Elijah. Hello, friends. Oh my god! We're doing this! We're actually going to talk back and forth about live stuff, football. It's a Monday. We just finished week eight's, like, pinnacle slate. And we are going to Monday morning, the qu- Monday morning quarterback the hell out of this conversation. Wow. Um, well, I'm, unfortunately, we're not Peter King. Um, we literally have been alive. Our combined ages are probably not as as big as Peter King's combined NFL experience, I would say. That might be right. I don't know. I'd have to look that up and I don't feel like it. No, I don't either. But we're not trying to like discredit Peter King for being old or anything. But we love Peter King. So um, with with that all being said, it's time to dive in. And usually when we do this, we just start with games. But there's stuff that's happened off the field as well that really needs to be talked about. And the biggest thing that dropped this morning was a blockbuster trade before Tuesday's deadline featuring the Los Angeles Rams going all in on a potential Super Bowl run, acquiring Broncos linebacker slash defensive end Vaughn Miller for two second-round picks and two third-round picks in next year's draft. So, Elijah, what are your initial thoughts on the Rams basically going all in here and bolstering their defense to make a title run? Well, it's a very characteristic move of the Rams. You know, like they make – uh, big moves like this and made big moves like this in the past. Obviously the big one that comes to mind is the trade for Jalen Ramsey. Um, so where they gave up a couple first round picks, I believe for Jackson uh, to Jacksonville for the premier corner. Um, so yeah, now they have three legit hall of fame players on that defense um, and just the way they've been playing. I think that this could definitely set them over the edge. Obviously Von Miller is a Super Bowl MVP um, and you know, like if you're going to beat Aaron Rodgers or you're going to beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, the way to do that is by getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and Von Miller and Aaron Donald, you know, like it's pick your poison with them. You know, one of them is going to be single teamed a lot. And uh, those two, you know, obviously Brady and Rodgers in the playoffs, when they meet up with the Rams, if they meet up with the Rams, which I think they should, um, they, they won't be as effective uh, because like there's always going to be pressure on the backfield. So it's a great move for uh, Los Angeles. Also, you know, Kyler Murray is probably not thrilled about this, uh, and neither is um, you know Russell Wilson when he comes back. Oh my God, can you imagine he's going to have to face you know like the Rams defense, which already stifles him pretty well, and now he's got Von Miller to worry about. Um, so yeah, this is a, a tremendous move for the Rams. Obviously, um, Von Miller ronks out of thirty, getting a little up there in age, but he could still play at a very high level. So I think that this was. Um, just a great move. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it really is because, first of all, they didn't really have to give up any sort of collateral because they already don't have a first-round draft pick as a result of acquiring Matthew Stafford. So, therefore, they just wanted to clean house and say, okay, we're not going to give up any sort of um, futuristic obligations at this point. So, the Rams going into 2022 will not have a first-round pick. They won't have a second-round pick, and they also won't have a third-round pick. So, right. th- th- this is it, man. Th- I mean – this is what Sean McVay has envisioned and what Les Snead has basically drawn up in the front office. And if you look at the Rams linebacking core as of right now, they don't really have any sort of household names. The only one that really comes to mind is someone who you're very familiar with, Elijah Leonard Floyd. Right. Who is, right. you know, a very solid linebacker at this point. But he's going to like on the other side of Von Miller, that's going to be that's going to be really nice. It really will be. Um, the, the big 
player who comes to mind who's been doing well of late for the Rams is Ernest Jones, who, by the way, Elijah, sort of an inside joke on, on yeah, not yeah, yeah. Ernest Jones, the player, but <laughs> Ernest Jones, the name. Um, uh, not necessarily getting into it. Did you see, by the way, Elijah? He So Ernest Jones led the Rams yesterday in total tackles right, right. Um, in a 38-22 whenever Houston, mind you. Um, did you see how he accepted the game ball in yesterday's? Yeah, I, saw, I, I saw the tweet said that he wasn't wearing pants or something yeah, like that. He, he literally was like waddling like a penguin with his pants on. His yeah, side. It's just so funny because like it's Ernest Jones. So <laughs> it's Ernest Jones. Um, oh, so, so he's been playing really well. Um, the Rams, but, but getting back on a serious. That note, was one of the. That was one of the wilder ways to accept a uh, a game ball. It was, it, was, it was great. It was excellent video. But um, get, getting back to the Rams, they run a 3-4 defense with Raheem Morris, who uh, took over as defensive coordinator for Wade Phillips and is basically a guy who loves to get pressure when needed, but he also loves to disguise blitzes as well. So him bringing Vaughn Miller into the fold and bolstering that linebacking core, you have Aaron Donald, all pro, all everything on the defensive line. You have Vaughn Miller now on the linebacking core, basically leading that those troops. And then you have Jalen Ramsey. So you literally have three tiers of amazing NFL talent individually amongst your defense. So your preseason pick of the Rams getting to the Super Bowl against the Bills is looking very, very good, my friend. It's looking quite good, yeah. Um, and I guess I'm better with the long-term predictions than the short-term predictions because <laughs> I had a shit week with my picks. Um, some of them felt good. And I think I got one of them. Like, I think my Patriots over chargers pick, like that's a, that's a good pick, especially cause, uh, San, uh, Los Angeles was favored. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I just had an awful week. I thought my bears would do better. I thought your Colts would do better. Um, I want to talk about <laughs> that one play Carson Wentz had, uh, be- before overtime when it was 24, 24 in his own end zone. Yep. It was that interception was. I'm a Bears fan. That was probably the worst interception I've ever seen. It, okay, so basically here's the context. Minute and 33 left. The Colts have the ball doing the two-minute drill. They're inside their own 10-yard line. And He's got to throw it. He, Car- yeah, Carson Wentz drops back to pass. But rather than scanning the field downfield, he decides to just chuck the ball with his left hand. He's a right. Well, I mean, he was, he was under pressure. Like, he was getting sacked. He had he, to throw it, to be fair. He, he, he did, and you know what? It, it it goes to show that the Colts' offensive line, who I've touted as being a top three, has their moments. And unfortunately, the game basically wore them down. It was 24-24 at that point. There, were, there was no defense to be played. So, Although I will say, I give them credit for getting, you know, tying the game after that, you know? The yeah, I mean, cool. look, I mean, the, the game went to overtime. It was momentum kills in this league, and I really thought that the Colts had their chance. Um, but then, of course, in the overtime period, Carson Wentz gets intercepted by Kevin Byard. The Titans drive down the field, get a game-winning field goal from Randy Bullock, 44 yards, I believe it was. And the Titans are in the driver's seat at 6-2 and two in the AFC South. But the big, the really, big news – yep, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was say, oh, you were about to say it, but yes. it, it really, it's too bad about Derrick Henry, obviously, who's really out is. of the season. Um, I know as a Colts fan, obviously, like, it helps you all, but, like – you know, no one wants to see a great player go down under any circumstances unless it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, but um, but uh, the point is, like, you know, they signed Adrian Peterson, obviously um, one of the best running backs of all time. Uh, but my, you know, like, 
at this point, he's like a, a, a poor, poor man's Derrick Henry. Like, I don't think the Titans are going to be able to compete without their MVP caliber player. Um, although, you know, now it's time for Tannehill to really, you know, step up, I guess. I don't know, how, how are you feeling about that and the Titans' chances? Yeah, I mean, okay, so Derrick Henry has a bone fracture in his foot. It's probably not good. They haven't, you know, the one thing about the, with the NFL and their injury policies is that it, they really try to keep it close-knit until they actually know something. And right. it's always interesting to see all the reports that come out about, oh, Derrick Henry season's ending. Oh, Derrick Henry might only miss a few weeks. Like, we know that if he suffered this sort of injury and it's really hard to speculate but he's going to miss a really long period of time and when you see the word indefinitely especially from the pro bowl caliber running back that derrick henry is it's very concerning because it changes yeah. tennessee's whole offensive mindset it makes it's just a bummer so- too because he's so transcendent at his position you know like he's just like he he, he like I, i've been saying like by the time he retires he has a he'll have a legit case for best running back of all time yeah, I mean, he the way that he's able to move so nimbly at his height and weight is insane. And, of course, his stiff-arming power is incredible, too. Um, but you talk about Adrian Peterson because he's currently um, – I think he's the only running back in the league right now to have a 2,000-yard season, like, active. Um, I think that sounds right. Yeah, which is, which is really funny to think about when you, when you consider – what Adrian Peterson has become, of course, being in his late thirties running backs typically don't get to that age, but um, this was probably the best option for Tennessee at this point. I I, I love Adrian Peterson. I love taking a flyer on Todd Gurley, but you know, I think Peterson's a good, a good call. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you're in this sort of desperate situation, you can't really go wrong, especially because you have third down running backs that you've relied on when Derrick Henry hasn't been on the field because he hasn't taken every snap offensively. So Jeremy McNichols is going to be the number one running back in Tennessee at this point. But obviously, right. we don't know if he's going to be that household name because we don't know what practice is going to be like. When I Adrian saw him a little bit in preseason. I thought it looked really good. So, you know, not Henry good, but still like, you know, he's a solid player. Yeah. I mean, listen, this makes Tennessee very one dimensional at this point, And you're right. Ryan Tannehill has to step up and AJ Brown has to step up and Julio Jones has to get better from his hamstring. But I've talked with people, especially former athletes who have had hamstring injuries and that's nothing to mess with. You can't sneeze at that. Like it's right. so gotta, hard to come back from that. It's you gotta, like, you really got to rehab those. And like, um, cause like the thing about a hamstring is like, you might think it's okay, but it's really not, you know, like, cause it's one of those things where, you could walk around fine, but, you know, once you exert too much force on it, uh, you know, it just becomes worse and worse. So, yeah, that's definitely something that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, and one of my bigger concerns going into the season for Tennessee was how they would react on offense without their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who's now in Atlanta. So now they've lost him. They lost John U. Smith to free agency. He's now with the Patriots. Uh, Tennessee Atlanta, who lost another game they should have won, by the way. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – Listen, t- Tennessee is very depleted on offense right now, so it'll be very interesting to see how Mike Vrabel rallies the troops. But I, I watched his press conference today and him expressing that they have leadership in that locker room and they're able to kind of go with that next man up mentality. It it made it feel sincere. It's just a matter of how the results will produce on the field. So right. we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I want to move on to another injury that uh, took over the football landscape, and that would be 
Saints quarterback Janus Winston, who suffered an ACL injury during Sunday's win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I wanted to talk a little bit in, in depth, a little bit more about that game as well. But um, huge loss for New Orleans as they also didn't have their backup quarterback, Taysom Hill, due to concussion. So they brought in Trevor Simeon, uh, who is in his second year with the Saints. And he ended up doing pretty well for himself, going um, for a touchdown and throwing 29 times, completing 16 of them. He, he basically did everything that he needed to do in order for the right. Saints to... He filled, in, he filled in admirably against a good defense, like really good defense, you know, in the uh, in Todd Bowles' uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Yep. A um, couple things here. Um, first of all, for some reason, like, I, it just, I don't... I, I, I feel less bad when quarterbacks get hurt than other positions because quarterbacks make the most money. Um, having said that, you know, you never want to see anyone get hurt. You know, sucks for Jameis. Really, really unfortunate uh, for him to, uh, you know, like, cause you know, like he, he, he competes and he works harder than anyone in the league. You know, if you hear Drew Brees talk about him, like he just has the highest praise for his work ethic and it just sucks for someone like that to go down. Uh, having said that, um, yeah, you know, like now, next man up, Trevor Simeon did an okay job. If I'm uh, New Orleans, I would be on the phone with uh, Chicago about Andy Dalton or maybe Buffalo about Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, there are definitely options around the league because I'm not sure. Or honestly, really, you know who they should be calling? Cam Newton. Oh, oh okay. well, sorry. Yeah, uh, I really thought we were going to finish each other's sandwiches there. Um, sandwiches that's what I, that's what I was gonna say well no Cam I was I was gonna get there like I do think Cam is also like a very viable option for them and he's available um I just um I also think Denver you know they've had Teddy Bridgewater before Denver obviously got a win yesterday but Bridgewater hasn't really been um he hasn't been doing too well with the Broncos um which sucks because I, I love Teddy you know everyone loves Teddy oh um, my god universally but, respected around the league like that guy, that guy, man. Like, no one's like. I, I bet you, I bet you, defensive linemen sack him and say, "Sorry, dude." Like, just because he's so, he's just such a such a good dude. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Point is, I'd love to see the Saints, uh, you know, be active here, make a move for someone who could go into this offense and fill in nicely. Um, I don't think the Bills would let go of Trubisky because you know Josh. Like, if Allen goes down, they need someone similar, and Trubisky is Allen Light, always has been. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, I don't think Andy Dalton would be the best really like Cam or Teddy Bridgewater is probably, um, the, the best options for the saints at this point in time. Um, and that would be fun, man. Cam, Cam is must watch football when he's, uh, when he's at his best and he was good last year before, uh, before he got COVID. So, um, and I think he got the vaccination, so we'll see what happens. He did. Yep. He confirmed he did, but it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see because, now it's Taysom Hill. And initially it was Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston for the starting job at training camp. And they obviously went with Jameis because of his more traditional approach. Now right. we get to see basically Sean Payton make the decision twice because he went with Jameis initially. And unfortunately the circumstances have changed. Now he's going to go right. with Taysom Hill and the offensive playbook is going to be completely changed. So it's just going to be a matter of how teams are going to game plan for the Saints moving forward. Obviously, the one constant that the Saints have that have basically put them in the driver's seat for a playoff run is that defense. And it showed against Tom Brady because for some reason, when Tom Brady plays the Saints in the regular season, 
the results don't go well for the Buccaneers. And I know the reason. I know I, the reason. Yeah, okay, then go for it, Mr. You know Snows Man. Do you want to know the reason? The reason is because I my well, okay, let me it's a theory, but my theory is that they they don't want to show their hand to teams that they think they're gonna be playing again later uh in January. So you don't want to throw everything you got at a team in November or October when you have a feeling you're going to be meeting up with that team with much higher stakes. I don't think that this loss means anything for the Bucks. Obviously, you know, you want to win every game you play. Um, and, you know, like it, it, it lowers their seating. Um, but, you know, it's Brady, it's Tampa. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, and they're going to play the Saints again this year. And then if they meet up again at the third time in the playoffs, um, I would absolutely pick Tampa to get the win this time around. Uh, obviously, also, you know, Antonio Brown hurt. Uh, Gronk's still ailing a bit. So, you know, like, obviously, they still have a bunch of weapons. But I I still think – basically, bottom line is I still think Tampa's the better football team. I mean, I, I agree with that. And, yeah, sure, this is week eight. Obviously, this loss doesn't really mean anything, especially with an ad game on the schedule. But the Buccaneers – I mean – the Saints basically expose the Buccaneers, and it's just a matter of the teams that the Buccaneers playing moving forward game plan the way that the Saints did because their defense was incredible. The way that they were able to contain Tom Brady, get home. I mean, they made Tristan Wirfs not look like the Pro Bowl caliber guard that he is. They made the running backs who aren't initially good pass blockers anyway, they made them look silly. I mean, Demario Davis finally stepped up. He had a very... Um, very quiet first half. And the second half, he basically turned on the Jets. Um, I love the Saints secondary as well. I really, I mean, the Buccaneers basically shot themselves in the foot too, because they got, they, they had 11 accepted penalties for 99 yards, which in the NFL is just absolutely unacceptable. I mean, that's right. college numbers. That's, that's, that's not great. And if there's anything with Tom Brady that you've seen in his 20 plus years in the league, it's that he's always been disciplined. When he was with the Patriots, oh, yeah. they were always one of the lowest penalized teams in the league. When Absolutely. he was with the Bucks last year and they made that run, they did not commit very many penalties. I mean, they'll they, they will button up as the year goes on, though. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I am too, and I agree with you 100. percent This is just a matter of voicing the opinion of now, and obviously the adjustments will come, and the Buccaneers should be just fine the way that they are with all of their starters from the Super Bowl returning and them being able to be a second half team just as they were last year. I don't see that not being the case this year too. So this game basically told me that the Saints got a really good win at the Caesars Superdome. I forgot when I made my picks. I said the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They changed affiliations this offseason. Um, but the way that the Saints played, um, especially with that last pick six that basically sealed it, um, the 36-27 win is very good for New Orleans and puts them half a game back um, of the NFC South uh, ch- champions and current leaders, the Buccaneers. So I want to move on to another game because there were many good games on the slate. The Sunday night game. Did you watch the Sunday night game, Elijah? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I watched some of it. I was also watching the World Series. Yeah, I, um, I was too. So I'm glad that we can admit that. And, and by the way... Um, Houston last night, the way that they were able to come back from that first inning grand slam. We're going to get a game seven. Woo! I mean, 
So my Braves pick is looking really good right now of Braves in seven, but that has to happen if Houston wins game six and then Atlanta wins game seven on the road. You you pick the Astros in six, so that would um, essentially be impossible. Um, <laughs> so, but the Astros still could win. Um, but anyway, going back to the Sunday night game, um, we got to meet for the first time as a starter, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Cooper Rush. And why am I saying that? Because Dak Prescott was supposed to play, but he's been nursing a calf injury that he suffered before the Cowboys bye week. So it was Cooper Rush, the Midwesterner who goes into the Midwest and plays the Vikings. And this dude just puts on an absolute show going 24, 40, 325 yards, two TDs, one kind of meh interception um, and leading the Cowboys to victory and leading them to a six and one record uh, against a really, really, really good Vikings defense. So um, Elijah, what were your initial thoughts on first of all, Cooper rush, and then the way that the Cowboys on all phases of the ball were able to come out with a victory? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hey, it's always a great story. Cooper rush, uh, very much a Jason Garrett Thanksgiving 95 or whatever vibe. 94. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 94, 95. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the Vikings would win this game, especially because Dak Prescott was out. Um, but they just couldn't really get anything going offensively um, consistently enough uh, to get the win. Cowboys Vikings, always a great game, always great. Uh, you know, just usually I, I feel like whenever these two teams meet, it's always a really good game. Like comes down to the wire, good competition. Um, but yeah, like the, the the Cowboys are legit. Like they're for real. Like they find ways ways to win games, regardless of how the chips are stacked against them. They might be. I don't think they're the team to beat yet in the NFC. I still think that belongs to obviously Tampa as the champions, and um, you know, uh, like Green Bay who made uh, NFC Championship last year. But really, all this game really did is solidify what I've been saying and what you've been saying too is that the Cowboys are legit. Uh, they're a real team. So. What did you what did you take away? Yeah, the first of all, props to you on the analysis, because I was literally just going to say the same exact thing. Um, The way that the defense played once again. I mean, I'm still concerned with Trayvon Diggs. He came out very late um, when the Vikings were going down. And of course, it it didn't matter because I didn't think that the Vikings were actually going to get in any sort of range to score touchdown, because at that point it was 20 to 16 and they needed um, they needed seven. They couldn't get three. So um, I really like like you said about Kirk Cousins just not being able to get going he led the Vikings on a first quarter first drive touchdown and I thought to myself oh my god the Vikings are going to steamroll here what what are the Cowboys doing on defense but credit to Dan Quinn and their defensive staff for making those adjustments and being able to basically solidify the Vikings from there holding them to field goals rather than touchdowns and if you saw the number one play on Sports Center this morning and probably last night too on their shows was that Cooper rush to Amari Cooper uh, play oh, down the crazy. field where he basically juggled the ball in front of the defender and was able to catch it out of bounds on the near sideline. Um, yeah, that was, that was both incredible skill and incredible luck happening at the same time, which was really cool to see. It was a great, great, great play. Um, one of the, one like probably going to be remembered as one of the finest of the Cowboy season. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> It was, it was, I mean, first of all, credit that. And then the two basically hook up in the end zone uh, a few plays later with 55 seconds to go. And, you know, you know, I, I, lo- I know you love that score um statistic about stuff, 
Another quirky fact about this particular play, the Cooper Rush TD pass to Amari Cooper for five yards that gave Dallas a 2016 lead at that point that they wouldn't squander. It's the first time in NFL history where the passer's name, first name, Cooper, and last name of the wide receiver were the same. The same exact one. That's pretty wild. It's I got to say, that is a pretty wild. Extremely wild. So I, I thought that was kind of... As, as far as fun facts go, that is definitely very fun, I well, will say. It is, and NFL Research came out with it pretty much immediately. Um, and I, 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 thought it, I thought it was really cool. Um, oh, yeah. So with that all being said, Dallas now finds themselves clear in the NFC East at 6-1. and one. I mean, Ooh. the NFC East below Dallas is just mediocre at this point. So... And and we're about to get to the halfway point, so we really don't know the whole playoff picture yet. But right. it's just nice to kind of talk records and see what's going oh, yeah. on. So oh, yeah, no question. And you know, like these are indicators. You know, like we'll we'll see how each team builds off their games. Um, there is another game I want to talk about just a little bit, and that's yeah. uh, New England going to L.A. Obviously, they didn't win by as much as they did last time, but they still knocked off uh, a Chargers team that you know has been playing really good football. Obviously, they lost badly to the Ravens, but um. But what do you think this says about the um, about uh, the the Patriots and the Chargers? Because because I mean this was not um, you know not a lot of people did not think that they would be, the New England would be able to pull this one off. So uh, I don't know what do you, what do you take away from that? One? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned in the minisode, I really thought that this would be a Chargers victory, especially considering the stakes and especially considering the adjustments that the Chargers made since they last played New England, which was back in December of 2020, um, getting blown out 45 nothing. But the Patriots have now gone cross-country and have beaten the Chargers twice in, in as many seasons. Um, good for them. They were able to solidify some sort of playoff positioning themselves because they're now at 500. They're half game back of the Chargers for the third wildcard spot in the AFC now. And because they beat them, they now hold the tiebreaker too. So right. um, really good win for new England. Um, I still don't think Mac Jones is very good. <laughs> um, yeah. He's not that good, but he is very fundamentally sound. Like if you look at his footwork, it's very nuanced. Like he's, you know, he's just like, he, he's so he's, he's like all the details of a good pocket passer. Like they're there. And like he just doesn't have like that extra skill, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and obviously he's still very raw at this point. He's a rookie, so you know the the jury's still out on whether or not he'll be okay. But um, in terms of what the Chargers did, yeah, obviously they're going to go back. They're going to correct some things. But Bill Belichick is obviously the greatest modern coach of all time in football, and he had the perfect plan to stopping Justin Herbert, who. I have him in our fantasy league, Elijah, and he only got 12 points, which is very yeah. under par for Justin Herbert. Um, very not Justin Herbert. No, very un-Justin Herbert-like. Um, when you're finding guys like Jordan Palmer, I think is his name, um, in the end zone for his first career touchdown, you know that the Chargers are essentially in trouble because they the Patriots basically took away the options of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And, right. That's um, what they do. You know, the Patriots will – zero in on your best player and make you make you beat them in a, a different way and 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 it just goes to sh- i mean the patriot so you know what I, I think i mentioned this in a 
previous episode, but playing the Patriots in football is like playing the New York Knicks, the current New York Knicks in basketball. Tom Thibodeau is their coach. He's very defensive-minded. Obviously, Bill Belichick has had 30, 40 years of NFL coaching experience and his defensive prowess as well. Eight Super Bowl rings. Right. And you're going to get a low-scoring game when you're playing the Patriots, no matter if it's at Gillette or on the road. And this was a very, very, very good win for New England. It's not going to solidify their odds in the AFC East because Buffalo, of course, is still the class of the AFC East. But it, it gives them that sort of ray of hope that they can sneak in to that wild card positioning because there's also, three. Also, if I may, if you look at their schedule, look at they have upcoming, right? Like they play the Panthers, definitely a winnable game. Atlanta, uh, whenever the Patriots play the Falcons, uh, I usually lean Patriots in those uh, contexts. Do you um, think we'll go up 28-3? Yeah, well, we'll see, hopefully, you know, have them right where they want them. Uh, <laughs> the, they play the Titans, obviously, without Derrick Henry now. Uh, the Browns, who are, you know, they're good, but they're having their issues. Lost to the Steelers, which I saw. Oh, I picked that one. Did I pick that one? I don't think I picked that one. But I definitely uh, picked Cleveland. I did not pick I thought I thought Pittsburgh would have a chance uh, to win, though, for sure. And, uh, I mean, obviously they have a chance, but I thought that, like, they had a really good chance, and they did. Um, then, um, you know, the player Colts who are struggling. Like, you know, like, Jacksonville should be a win. They played the Dolphins again. I think the Patriots are going to be in the playoffs. I think there's no question about it at this point. That's a very bold statement. I, I want to hold you to that. So we'll have to remember that from this episode yeah. that you say the Patriots are a playoff team. So we'll, yes. we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I want to move on to another game, Elijah, and that would be probably the wildest game of the day. It featured the Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Jets. And right. so this was basically, if we want to postmark week eight in the NFL of 2021, it was – the kings of backup quarterbacks. We've already talked Trevor Simeon. We are now going to talk about Mike White, who no one's ever heard of. I mean, literally, he came in last week in relief of Zach Wilson, who got hurt. And in this game, he went off. I mean... I thought his name was Mark until just now. No, his name yeah. is not Mark. His name I is just Mike White. Keep, just... Uh, and, and it's funny because that name is thrown out there, and I, for some reason, my mind goes to the University of Florida basketball team because their head coach is named Mike White. Um, and obviously Mike White's a very common name, but right. it, it, I just find it to be funny. But this Jets Mike White, 37 to 45, 405 yards, three TDs. I mean, this dude was everywhere. And he was utilizing not only his wide receiving core, but he was also getting the running backs involved too. He was able to find Michael Carter nine times for 95 yards. He was able to find Ty Johnson, another running back, five times for 71 yards and a tud. Like, I don't know what Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, was thinking at this point, playing the Bengals, who are one of the, basically the surprise team of the AFC at this point. I mean, up until yesterday. But, my God. Like, the Jets really had it all. And this is their second win of the year. They had a, they've had a win against Cincinnati, and they've had a win against Tennessee. I mean, yeah, who is this team? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, football is weird. And also, this was a very classic trap game, I feel. I think the 100%. Bengals might have been, you know, like, look, looking ahead a little bit to the uh, the Browns coming into town the next week. Uh, and then they got, you know, they tripped on the Jets. And that, that happens. Uh, you know, also, like, the Jets, I think they play really hard for their head coach, Robert Sala. 
Yep. Um, you, you know, we knew we, we knew they would. Um, amazing, amazing win for them, honestly. Um, you know, obviously one of the youngest teams, I think, in NFL history uh, to come out on top like that against, uh, you know, like the this young, super exciting Bengals team who really seemed to play to their level of the opponent at this point in the year. You know, remember they almost lost to Jacksonville. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean, like this is a like uh, this jet, future looks bright for the New York Jets, but which I never really thought I'd say. But like uh, like th- th- this win, I think like it's something to build on. It's it's not going to be this year either, but I, I I agree with your point about the Jets being bright, and I mentioned it in the minisode. Robert Saul is a great coach, and he's going to figure it out. It's just a matter of when it will be, and it's not going to be anytime soon. But it was for this ray of sunshine, um, in this thirty four thirty one win over Cincinnati. And right. did you know Elijah? Did you know? So Mike White he threw for over four hundred yards in a football game. Do you know who the last Jets quarterback? to do that was Joe Namath. <laughs> you know, that was a great guess. He's probably has, he's probably done it in his career, but. Oh, was it Mark Sanchez? It was not Mark Sanchez. Josh McCown. Nope. Uh, like, let me keep guessing. Wait, wait, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm you gonna can do it. it. Neil O'Donnell. Nope. I don't even know who that is. Uh, was it, um, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to, Oh, Brett Favre. Nope. Ah, oh. okay. I'll, get, I'll, I'll give Kennedy. you. Chad Pennington? Nope. No. Uh, all right. I'll give you the year. You're very close. Give me the year. The year was 2000. Two, oh, Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde yeah, is absolutely yeah, yeah, correct. Right, only, only take me like seven guesses. That, that works. That's fine well, with me. I, I gave you the year, and you're obviously smart enough to get the quarterback. So, Reductive reasoning. Woo. But in any case, so um, good for Mike White. Obviously, the Jets traded for Joe Flacco again, and – he was inactive, so they had to go with Mike White. And Mike White was awesome. I mean, it, it was just so much fun watching that game, going back and forth. And again, this isn't anything that the Bengals necessarily need to hang their hats on because the NFL season is obviously built for adversity. And if you have this sort of game slapped on your record, sure, it doesn't look pretty. But when right. you consider that the Jets have also beaten the Titans, who have won six games, so the the Jet the Jets have beaten two teams who have gone on to win eleven games in eight weeks. I mean, like that's yeah. so impressive. That is that is quite the feat. And yeah. uh, hey, maybe there'll be a like you know a, a good little spoiler throughout the year. You know, winning. We'll see. You know, like I, I like I said, I think there's something definitely that they could build on, and maybe they have something in in, uh, in Mike White. You know, I guess you know they have a competitor. That's for sure. They do. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Um, I want to talk about them for just a second here because the big story out of Pittsburgh before this game was that Mike Tomlin was essentially a, a dark horse candidate for the USC head coaching job in college. And did, did you see his presser? Like, it was, it was I, did, really I did not see the presser. What did he say? Okay. So he, he had the best quote that. I've heard from a coach in a while, not named Dan Campbell. And it was, um, he basically, and I'm not, I'm, I'll paraphrase the part leading up to it, but he basically was saying how bogus the rumors were because Carson Palmer, who is a USC alum, basically said on Dan Patrick's show that Mike Tomlin was a candidate for the job, which I mean, which is insane. Um, So basically Tomlin's like, this is bogus. You guys, you know, are just writing this for your stories. And then he goes on to say, 
never say never, but never. Right. And I'm like, okay. That, that, is, a, that is a great quote, actually. It is. Because I've always thought never say never was a funny thing to say, because by saying never say never, you are saying never. So I like that he finally like turned it on his head. That's great. Exactly. That's the neighbor um, to take note. Yeah, exactly. Um, everybody from the modern Karate Kid. Um, but going back to the game, which I thought would be a Cleveland win. I don't know. Did you pick? Did you? Oh, you, I don't. I, think, I'm pretty sure I picked Cleveland to win. Yeah. Okay, so we we both picked Cleveland. They obviously yeah. end up losing. Pittsburgh's defense basically looked like the defense that had shown up for their Super Bowl runs because they were able to hold everybody on Cleveland's side in check um, on defense. Nick Chubb okay. only ran for 61 yards. Bears are going to have a real challenge on Monday night next week. I'll tell you that much. Against Pittsburgh? Yeah, in, in Pittsburgh. Going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And Najee Harris had a very good game. Uh, probably his best game as a professional. 26 carries, 91 yards, and a tud. Ben Roethlisberger looked okay. Threw for 266 and a, and a touchdown as well. Um, did you see Pat Fryer moose catch in the back of the end zone um, that, he, that he had? It was I missed that one. I missed it. It, it was great. Um, well, very highlight reel. I haven't um, seen any of the highlights from this week because uh, I was working, but I'll, um, I will, I'll, I mean, you know, like I'm going to watch them as I always do. So I know, I know you will, you'll, you'll, you'll okay. do your homework, but um, Fryermuth had a very video game, like catch in the back of the end zone for Ben Roethlisberger's only touchdown pass of the game. Um, That's nice. So, so I, I wanted to talk about this one because, you know, we were both wrong on it and I thought that it would be something to shine on for the Steelers, who never moved to four and three. The Browns at five hundred or at four and four. Also, by the way, okay, did you see anybody's Halloween costumes? Any NFL Halloween costumes? Uh, I saw uh, four people went to the the Eagles Lions game dressed as Teletubbies, which was pretty cool. Did you see any players' ones though? Oh yeah, um, the uh, Miles Garrett's had Miles Garrett had a costume, uh-huh. which I thought was pretty funny. Then. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers as John Wick was, I mean, I admit it, pretty funny. It's pretty decent. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was solid. Yeah. I So you mentioned Miles Garrett's one because that's what I wanted you to mention, and I'm glad you did because he basically went as the Grim Reaper, and on the back of his cape were all the quarterbacks that he sacked in his career. Trubisky <laughs> was front and center. I was like, wow, this yeah, is yeah. this is as savage as it, as it gets. It was for- pretty savage. You know, I looked. I couldn't find Mason Rudolph on there, funnily enough. <laughs> no. I don't know if he sacked Mason Rudolph, though. I know he's definitely lowered the boom on him in other ways. But, like, hey, anyway, that was he, that was he, the past. He altercated with him. Um, yeah, the yeah. altercation. Yeah, that was, that, that was really bad. Um, okay, so we've, we've basically talked about the games that we want to talk about at this point. We have Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Um, in a couple of hours, the we both pick Kansas City to beat the Giants, um, yeah. and hopefully, rightfully so, unless the Giants just come out with a really good defensive game plan and do exactly what Elijah has been saying to stop Patrick Mahomes. In that you're running the football, they can, by the way, the defense isn't terrible. Like they, they they can play disciplined football. I've seen it, so I, I think that the Chiefs will win, but the Giants will fight. You know, it'll be close for a while. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. Um, the one thing is, in my money league, I'm going up against both uh, Tyreek Hill and Daryl Williams, and so yeah, um, I need Harrison Butker and Tyreek Hill to get COVID like right now if I want to win. So, 
well, let's hope for their sake that doesn't actually happen. Hope it doesn't let's let's happen. just hope they're on the field and they do and they and they take their snaps and they don't do well. Let's, yes, maybe Tyreek Hill will have explosive diarrhea. Keep him on the bench. An explosive diarrhea. Because that's funny, right? Like that's not like like it sucks, but it would be funny anyway. That'd be, that'd be pretty funny. Um, okay, so we've we put a bow on on week eight. Let's, well, the Bears. Uh, I ain't going to talk about the Bears. Oh, wait, well, you you mentioned the Bears. Mentioned but, the yeah, Bears, let's talk about the Bears. They end up losing. talk about the Bears. They, really, they ended- there's not much to talk about. It was just a classic game of the Bears got outcoached. You know, we were winning at halftime, thirteen to nine. Eddie Jackson goes down in the first half. Khalil Mack, we were, uh, he, he was injured. The whole like he he didn't play. Yeah. Um, and you know, they this game really showed that their presences were missed. You know, let up a big like eighty yard screen pass on a third and twenty that got the Niners right back in the game, and uh, it ended up you know at, at, like at, towards the end of the game the Bears couldn't stop anything. Uh, Shanahan realized, oh, I could just ta- attack the outside linebackers because you know there's no Khalil Mack in the game, um, and so they started just running pitch over and over, and uh, the Bears couldn't make a stop. I will say though, Justin Fields had a great game against a very good defense. And future looks bright. So ultimately, I come away from that game bummed that we lost, but happy that we have a future at the quarterback position. Um, we finally, and that play, you texted me a second before I got to see it. But yeah. I was sorry. Yeah, no, no, no worries. I was, <laughs> I was thrilled to, to get that text. I was just hoping that, that like it wasn't in reference to a play that had happened before. But, um, but yeah, that was an amazing escape and scramble uh, to, Almost tie the game, but then missed extra point, and then everything went to hell. But yeah, great that, by, the the twenty two yard the the twenty two yard run was really really good. Um, this was basically so one thing that I definitely overlooked when I made this pick was that Jimmy Garoppolo is from Illinois, and this right. was basically his homecoming game. And dude looked like Trey Lance out there rushing for two short touchdowns. Oh yeah, and th- those were design runs too, and those were good calls. Like you know. Well, one of them was on a broken play. One of them was on a broken oh, right, play. The right. other one was a design run. Right, right. right the right. first one was a broken play. first one was a broken play. That's right. Yeah. But either way, yeah, Garoppolo had an excellent game. Um, I don't think anyone had him in a parlay scoring two touchdowns. Um, he did good. Yeah, he looked, looked very good. The Bears had no pass rush at all. So anyone who says that Khalil Mack, you know, it, like doesn't produce enough or like, you know, he doesn't have the – pop plays that you want from a pass rusher is delusional. I mean, not, not delusional. Like maybe they're right. He doesn't have all the sacks in the world, but like his presence means so much to the team. And that was evident yesterday. And Eddie Jackson, even though he's not the best tackler in the world, I mean, they, they, they missed him after he went down in the first quarter. Cause uh, like there aren't many safeties who could cover as well as he can. So, so yeah, uh, hopefully these guys can get healthy for Pittsburgh because that's going to be a tough game. Yes, it will be. And when you don't necessarily have the defensive help, when you lose a guy like Khalil Mack, your your defense goes from an A defense to definitely a B defense for sure. Right. And that, that showed because or, they had, or a D minus defense. Sure, like, they ended up letting up thirty three points to a Forty ers um, offense that uh, literally had not scored a touchdown in thirteen quarters uh, against oh against, against the um, Bears. Yeah, and they were also missing their best. Oh well, yeah, but also they were missing their best player in George Kittle. Like it was just not a good, not a good, not a good look for the Chicago defense. Debo Samuel had almost two hundred yards receiving. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of them came on that one play. Crazy game, but you know it's in the past. We're on to Pittsburgh. 
we're on to Pittsburgh. Um, cool. So we wrapped up. Now we've wrapped up week eight. Let's really quickly preview week nine because Thursday night football featured. So it featured the best game of the slate between the Packers and Cardinals, and it lived up to the hype. Now we have the New York Jets, who we've just talked about, going into Indianapolis, and they're going to play the Colts. So this is a matter of a team with momentum having just beaten the Bengals against a team that had, I I don't want to say a heartbreaking loss in overtime because Carson Wentz forced two balls that easily changed the game. He goofed. Yeah. It it was a Wentz going to Wentz kind of game. Um, It's the first one that at least I've seen um, because. Because he's been uh, great up until this point. Yeah. Because the other Colts losses, of course, definitely were not his fault. It was just playing better teams. Um, Especially, especially with the the whole Baltimore Ravens situation where they came back, um, I hated everything, um, the worst. But uh, let's let's make our picks right here, right now, Elijah. What do you think? I think y'all are going to bounce back and win. Um, I just think that y'all have a lot of discipline on defense, um, and even though um, you know it'll be tough for the Colts to win that division, you know, three games out at this point in the year. Y'all are still in like three and five, absolutely still in the hunt for a playoff spot. It just means, you know, it's more of an outside shot. I think that the Colts are going to win pretty handily in this one, 30 to 16. How about you? 30 to 16. Okay. Um, I could not tell you the name of any player on the Jets defense at this point in time. I would obviously do research. Um, So in that case, I like your realistic prediction about the Colts putting up 30, especially if everything goes well in practice leading up to a short week. I don't think the Colts have had many significant injuries um, to this point. So it's just a matter of if the team can bounce back after an awful loss against the Titans and going from playing the Titans to playing the Jets. It's literally like a mirror image because as we said, the Jets beat the Titans earlier in the season on a game-winning field goal, or on a field goal that was missed um, by Randy Bullock. So it's it's honestly just a matter of if the Colts can stay disciplined, if they can run the football with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, because I really liked what Frank Reich did in the beginning of the football game on Sunday, going for it on fourth down pretty early on, having Naheem Hines pump up the crowd for what it was. Um and the Colts building up that two touchdown lead before it evaporated pretty quickly. So um, yeah. I'm going to say the Colts win two. I'm going to say it'll be 26 to 17. Colts. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think I, I, well, yeah, I definitely agree. And um, Hey, maybe this will be a get right game for them. You know, they'll just get on the right track, get on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> get on the right track. <laughs> Cause that's their coach's name. That's yes, great. It is. Oh, um, well, Anyway, Elijah, this was really fun. I'm glad oh, that yeah. we got to break down always, week eight. Always a blast, my dude. Yep. We're gonna um we'll definitely hit you hit you back with a with another mini sode as again my work is extremely stressful working six days a week now, but nonetheless Go really Astros fun. tomorrow because we want a game seven. That would be you know what, that'd be really fun for everybody except baseball writers, because baseball writers hate having to keep continue to work. <laughs> so Fair enough. uh just a matter of uh the World Series uh, ending in dramatic fashion. So hopefully that happens. And hopefully the Braves pull it out for my pick and the Astros pull it out for your pick. So we'll we'll have to see. The jury's still out. Game six is tomorrow. And uh, 
We'll watch. I said, I said Astros in six, so my pick already failed. But like, your pick did already fail. But you but still. But I do think we're going to get a game seven. You could you could get a half a point if the Astros end up pulling out. So uh, it'll it'll just be a matter of if the pitching for both teams can can do well. So we'll see. But in any case, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. Follow Elijah on Twitter at Ezalonki. Me on Twitter Noah Friedman underscore, and get our podcast on Anchor which streams to Spotify and all other podcast platforms. Shalom, friends. Take care, everybody.